Hey there, film fans. I am Jeff. <laughs> I'm Dave. And I'm John. And welcome back to The Love of Cinema, a pod in which we'll challenge one another to discuss movies both new and old with a strictly positive critical eye. That's right. And to avoid any lazy negativity, we have made this a drinking game. <laughs> yes, any negative criticism about a film is allowed, but it will be called out and you will have to take a drink. You'll hear this sound. Yeah. That means we're drinking. We hope you drink along with us, too. <laughs> so pour yourselves a glass and join us as we uh, explode the top of our beer and uh, yeah. <laughs> talk about some films we love and maybe a film that uh, needs some love. All right. Well, without any further ado, we're going to get into our two award season films, Ooh. if you will. So our first film, which is the presumed good movie that's going to be getting a lot of positive award buzz, is going to be Palm Springs. And our second film, which is getting some Razzie buzz, according to Vegas, and that is... The Last Thing He Wanted. That movie stars Anne Hathaway, Ben Affleck, Willem Dafoe, and Toby Jones. We'll tell you all about it. It's directed by Dee Reese. This is our first film since Mudbound. Um, we'll talk about it in our second segment, but we should get into our first film, which is Palm Springs, as we mentioned before. Our co-host Dave here shouted it out to us this summer mm. after we had finished watching a thousand films for our franchise face-off. He finally watched a film for pleasure, uh, Hulu. <laughs> bought this film at the Sundance Film Festival in 2020. Well, they bought, well, they didn't buy it at Sundance. Um, they bought it from the distributors who realized that they were not going to be able to distribute this film to theaters. So Hulu was very quick to, mm. to pop it onto the streaming platforms in, I think it was it July, was, right? It was quite expensive too. Um, they this movie's definitely getting... Like, I think, it, I think it was like one of the most expensive... Yeah, do you remember the number? At Sundance. By 69 yeah. cents. And, um, it, it's yes. the most... <laughs> By 69 cents. I really wanted someone to have that awesome. stat on hand. Good, num good round number <laughs> for them to round up. <laughs> so um, so this film stars Andy Samberg and Kristen Milioti with a very important supporting role by J.K. Simmons. Also shout out to June Squibb and everybody else in the film. Uh, it is a romantic comedy sci-fi which we can unpack a little bit more. Mm. Uh, I do think it is important because it does have the Groundhog Day effect. I think it's okay to say that right off the bat as sort of oh, part yeah. of the gimmick because that is the sci-fi element. Um, and, and it does help with the context because, again, this came out in the summer during COVID, and it's about a person living the same day over and over again. <laughs> so you can see how, yeah. in a way, like even though they might have been a little soon to market, it was definitely the right choice for them to let Hulu distribute this movie with no other competition at the time for free so that people who had the platform can rent it. That was really, really, really cool. Um, and the last thing I'll say as far as award season buzz, romantic comedies like this don't necessarily get the Oscar buzz, but they this is definitely the kind of movie that's going to get some Golden Globe buzz because it's in the comedy section and it features a couple of really strong performances by Andy and Kristen. Maybe the Academy will give it some writing stuff. We're not here to deliberate that per se, but it's definitely a movie that we should talk about. So, without further ado, let's go ahead to the IMDb description, and then I'm going to pass it along to you. When carefree Niles and reluctant maid of honor Sarah have a chance encounter at a Palm Springs wedding, things get complicated as they are unable to escape the venue themselves or each other. Who would like to take it away from there? If, I kinda, if you're okay, I kind of want to hear you talk about because you introduced... You talked about this first to us over the summer during our franchise face-off, and you were really pumped about it. So, one, I assume you rewatched it for this week, but 
what, what was it like kind of discovering it early? Because I've, you know, I've heard so much about it before this week. And I, mean, I only watched it this week for the first time. It's uh, For me, it was a feel-good, um, like a real feel-good movie that also had some edgy, quirky humor. I mean, there there are some inappropriate scenes in the first five minutes of this that you're like, what the hell am I watching? <laughs> yeah, I watched um, this again with my parents this week. Thanks, guys. Why did you do that, dude? Oh, my God. Andy Samberg is literally... I forgot about the and, first Andy five Andy is literally masturbating in the first five minutes of this movie. So, oh. yeah, you can imagine how fun that was for Jeff. Um, yeah. yeah uh, but it's... I mean, it's just... like the, I think one of the things that helps sells it is the chemistry between the two of them. Um, yeah. I haven't seen chemistry like that since, like you know, Sandler and Barrymore really. And did, that, yeah. Yeah. And that was, that was a really good chemistry mix. These two work, uh, I think because no matter where he goes, she will also go. And I think both of them have a dialogue delivery that um, is really, really good in that you never once think this is an actor saying lines. Both of them are so good at dialogue right. delivery that it's their, it's what they think coming out of their mouth. Like it's a hundred percent convincing. And so some of the, some of the stuff is very snappy as a result of it, and it's it's very character based. And I, you know, I find the dialogue really realistic. The writing is spectacular. Um, I really loved revisiting it again at the end. Like I was even sitting there with a smile on my face. I was laughing out loud at parts, even though I'd seen it before. The rewatchability on this is pretty high. And then yeah, J.K. Simmons, high, then yeah. J.K. Simmons like storms on on screen, and you're like, yes, like, yeah, yeah. This they use him me. perfectly. They use him perfectly in this movie. Jeff, what's the movie from um, Safety Not Guaranteed? This kind of re- reminded me of the. Uh, do you remember that one? You liked that one a lot, yes. right? No. I Sa- remember that Safety one. Safety Not. Mm-hmm. Je- I thought you loved that movie. Um, I think it was like 2012 or 2013. Uh, similar thing, Sundance movie. There's there is like kind of a formula. I'm not saying they're all predictable. They have really you know they have a wide range that's, of different kinds of dramatic the, material, it- but. Just so it's the one I'm thinking of, it's the is it or isn't it time travel movie? Well, let's not give it away, but no, yes, is it, it or it does, isn't it? It yeah. does build. It does build. To, <laughs> yeah. it does build to something like that. There is a sci-fi element to it. Yes, uh, it's the one with um, what's her name from, you know, Parks and Rec, Aubrey Plaza, Plaza, Mark, Mark Duplass, Duplass, Jake Johnson, yeah, yeah. directed by Colin Trevorrow, who almost had a Star Wars movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. until he went nuts and started saying things like, "I'm going to shoot in space." Which Tom Cruise then went and did is like yeah yeah what I say I think he does it <laughs> anyway so Palm Springs kind of every now and then this kind of movie that you know hit the fucking bullseye on the festival circuit you just know you're mm. watching a movie that like that movie's gonna crush at festivals but then every now and then a movie like this will also transcend the festival circuit and will you know make its way into our heads and our hearts through whatever streaming services or theaters I would have gone to see this in the theater. I think it's one of those really good balances. It doesn't feel too indie for being an indie film. And it also doesn't yeah. feel like it's overreaching. You know it's an indie film. And there are some, like Jeff said, there's a sci-fi element to this movie that we're not going to... I don't want to like ruin it specifically, but there's like a, you know, a magical element to this that basically allows this time loop to happen. And they don't overreach with it. They don't try to go too far with special effects and try to make it so much about the science of the sci-fi it stays about the humans. And even though Andy Samberg is the star in this, for me, this movie was all about Kristen Milioti. She has the biggest journey. And I think they knew when they wrote and made this. And shout out to writers, writer 
and director. Director, his name is Max Barbical, and the writer, his name is Andy Ciara. I'm pretty fucking positive these guys are AFI film grads, and um, they crushed it. And I think they probably knew we're going to need, if we have someone like Andy to get the face in front of it, you know, and get people to maybe come mm. attracted, you're going to laugh. Sure, you're going to laugh. But you're going to stay with this movie because she's so fucking amazing. So I feel like they knew, like, we need an actor that's going to make people take this seriously. So it's not just a gimmicky rom-com, which I think it could have been in lesser hands have turned into oh, something yeah. kind of silly like that. But it doesn't. It, it it stays. It rides this line really well where you are on board with them dramatically. I know it's not a drama, but you know what I mean. Dramatically, you're on board with it. But uh, you're still going to take it seriously because of her, because she is teaching a fucking masterclass in the first half of this movie when she realizes she is a victim of what starts happening to her with this repetition. You know, we don't have to give away all the details, but... Andy's been mm. living in this and she gets introduced to this and, and she does everything you want her to do to justify the absurdity of this plot. Yeah, and that's one of the things yeah. I really love <laughs> right. about this and it like it, it takes it away from a basic Groundhog comparison or reboot is that he it starts right. with him but you don't, like it doesn't give away or it sort of gives away but you don't realise until a rewatch that he's in this loop from the beginning. She's the one mm-hmm. that is about to get a big surprise in this movie and get pulled mm-hmm. into the loop. So it's mm-hmm. I, I love that they they put that little twist on it. Uh, I also have to say that when you're talking about what they do when they're trapped in the loop, the day by day montage when they're just going through what they do from day to day, is, mm-hmm. I don't know whether they workshop that or that was written, but it's fucking brilliant. It's hilarious. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. So that that's a yeah. perfect example. Like that's the kind of thing in a film, a day to day montage and. Montages in general, but like specifically that for this particular vehicle. They planned all, you know, if somebody sat down at some point and was like, this is an important part of the movie. Like, we want people to enjoy this. But Hmm. because it's pulled off so well, you know, it doesn't take away from anything else. That could have been super gimmicky, right? If we were like, oh, you were kind of just making this movie so we could see them just fucking kick it, do drugs and kill each other in their time loop. But they didn't do that. It's not, it doesn't get boiled down to them being ridiculous in their time loop. It, it has enough of that, so you're going to have some fun. But ultimately, you have a very strong feeling the entire time that they're going to want more out of this. And it doesn't just sit in that comedic place, which is why it worked for me. I was always waiting. I was, I was constantly in anticipation for where the story was going to move. And it wasn't just driven by the filmmakers. It was driven by the performances. And again, that's just Sundance gold, right? When the acting is so good, doesn't matter the genre or whatever. I'm waiting for what's going to happen next because the actors are really giving it to me. Well, I don't mm. know. I'm sorry. I'm talking so much. Yeah, get in it. No, it's it's totally fine. <laughs> That's all right. I was. I, yeah, I, you we're going to talk like, about another I, I love this, film. I love this film so much that, that I actually <laughs> forgot to gush you. <laughs> yeah. Good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll take drinking anyway. <laughs> John with the gush again. Uh, so this is my second viewing, and I took uh, no notes because I was watching it with my family and Chloe, who loved it. Nice. Uh, it takes a second to get into it because it's not a tone that you expect if it's pitched mm. as a... As a um, as a rom-com, which I guess I did to my family. Uh, it's also short, hour 30, oh, yeah, you know how yep. I love that. Uh, but yeah, so, so I think to go off of what you both were saying, but especially what John was saying, that this was written well to be acted well. So it didn't get... Nice. So the, the humor, the humor was 
in them. It wasn't in the cleverness of anything that yes. was on the page. And we're going to talk about another movie soon that whatever was on the page ruined the whole... Oh, okay, sorry. Oh, I was fucking dead. I'm ahead of myself. But, sorry. <laughs> but for instance... Okay, so this is, this, this is a sci-fi-ish, rom-com-ish film, so there's going to be some spoopy things. So for instance, not spoiling anything, to say that at one point Andy Samberg gets shot with an arrow. Her, her reaction to that is and perfect, Kristen too. And Kristen her <laughs> reaction yeah, perfect. is perfect. perfect for a comedy. <laughs> it's perfect. It's real. I'm not saying it's not real, but if it was in a different film, if it was in, it would work in network, but it probably wouldn't work in Taxi Driver. Like, it's perfect for this. Um, there's a couple other elements, especially with Andy Samberg's character's um, girlfriend in the film, um, who let's just say is not in the time loop. There are just a lot of ways that he's playing with her repetition for us, which, you know, it's, it's, it's silly, right? But it's, it's like, that's the comedy element, but that's not the point of the movie. The point of the movie isn't for that to be funny and that to be hilarious. That is part of the day-to-day grind when you're in, it's always, it's, as you said, it's grounded in this absurd reality, which also is not too far-fetched, which is another thing that could have sunk the comedy as if it was too heady, if it was too ridiculous, it was just the right amount. So it's very digestible. It's rewatchable, which how many movies coming out nowadays are rewatchable. There are very few movies I've seen in the past 12 months that I want to watch again. Um, so yeah, it's just across the board. It's just a really, really fucking good, I'm glad you fun, said that. good movie. And J.K. Simmons is used perfectly because we know he's awesome. And it's such a good, he's a, he is a stick of dynamite in this movie. And he doesn't even come in for a while. And then he comes in and then he leaves yeah. for a while. And then he, it's like, it is, it is just a perfect device. It's perfect. It is a perfect device. You said that so yeah. well. Tell me, t- say it one more time. Repeat it. It was written well to be performed well. Is that what you said? Yeah. I like that because mm. I was, you know, of course, you can't help but think a little bit about it, you know, especially since we're doing this for this show. I was very conscious of the fact that on the page, I bet it didn't read as hilarious. I kept thinking about that. Like, this is a movie that needed to be talked through. With, this, the pitching yeah. was important for the director and the writer to sit down and talk to these actors and talk to whoever is going to be involved about the way they're going to do it and the way they're going to tell it so that it doesn't read like simply a comedy. Because it is, it is like we've been saying, but there is something else to it. And the personalities are so important. It took me on a little loop when I was thinking about the making of Groundhog Day Anyone who knows anything about the relationship between Bill Murray and Harold Ramis, who plays Binkman in the Ghostbusters movies, who directed mm. Groundhog Day, they had an enormous falling out after Groundhog Day because Harold Ramis wanted it to be a little bit more grounded and sincere and a little bit more philosophical. And Bill was nervous about that and passionately disagreed with him and wanted it to stay in the comedic love story, you know, kind of coming, not coming of age, but a little bit of his own journey kind of thing, like Andy Samberg in this movie. And I think this uh, Palm Springs, just like Groundhog Day, handled it the balance perfectly. There were definitely moments when I laughed out loud. And the, it's because the performances were heightened and the storytelling was was good and almost kind of static. They never tried to do way too much with the filmmaking. They really just let the point the camera at these people and let them go nuts. Let her freak the fuck out when he gets shot by an arrow. Let, you know, let him... Let him make fun of the girlfriend and stuff. There are a lot of really fun little moments, but yeah. it ultimately is a good movie. I don't think anyone who walks away from this movie is going to say it's good because it's funny. No one's going to say that about this movie. That's not the reason why this movie is special. Um, I also think that there is a, this hap- again, this is a Sundance 
branding kind of thing. I think they often bring this little, I call it like the sixth sense kind of element to these movies. There is a, there is an existential philosophical kind of trippy thing that I don't want us to say out loud, what they see at some point, there's something that they experience together that kind Mm. of comments on not just the absurdity of what they're going through, but questioning what is real and what isn't real. And whenever people can pull that off in a movie, especially since movies already have a dreamlike quality, it always adds this other thing to it that I always feel that only really good storytelling can do. There's a couple plays that have pulled it off, like Jerusalem. All right, sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> there it is. Jerusalem, yeah, Jerusalem. Perfect. But I mean, there's this uh, other element to it that um, they really worked for me. And I thought it took the movie up a notch too. And th- there are certain uh, storytelling things that feel like when they get pulled off in movies, you kind of have to sit back and say, this director and this writer and whoever else was involved took a lot of chances on this movie in spite of the fact that everyone is comparing it to a movie like Groundhog Day that is very, very, very well known. I think they made it their own in multiple ways, which is the only reason why I enjoyed it. Because as much as I love Groundhog Day, I don't think anyone wanted to watch somebody try to do that again. You know, they needed to really make it their own. And I think they very successfully did that. Mm, yeah no i I agree and they they let the the philosophical stuff slip they let the philosophical stuff slip in like there's lines like if you don't remember your past you're doomed to repeat it obviously they're in a time loop um everything that we're doing is meaningless i hope it's not all meaningless and they're stuck in a time loop but that but that's not the point of the movie and also to your points about the performances the one thing that i left out is Kristen miliotti's some of her best work is in her patience yes Mm. right so so she's like the way she's just wait you you watch her and you know she wants to do something, but she's being still and her eyes are being expressive. And and even Andy Samberg is kind of like wondering what she's doing and the power that she yields to your point, John, at the very beginning of what you said is like, yeah, she really is the one that kind of carries through this, this whole film. And I think that stands out. Yeah. Good for her. That's fucking awesome. Did you guys watch it through? You watched the extra bit in the credits as well. Uh, cause yeah. that, that was, that I was, yeah, that, that was, yeah, yeah, that was, that was my big, uh, the first time I watched it, I was like, wait, they didn't, they, they just totally left that open. And right. then no sooner had I yeah. thought that and they popped straight into that after credits scene. So keep watching through the credits. Uh, if you watch this, I do fun. have one question mm-hmm. though. And, uh, I'll, I'm yeah. interested to see what you guys think. Was the grandmother in the loop? That's great. And I love that there's no answer to that. See, I don't think I, I, I interpreted it as I think she was. See, I didn't think she was in the loop. I, I felt she like was she too. was There's no answer to that question, by the way. Yeah. There's no yeah. answer. Everybody has their own answer to that. Yeah, it's almost yeah. yeah no, I, I absolutely think she's that, that was that was gonna be that was gonna be my point too. That that's why I brought up the thing about um the the slipping in the philosophical stuff yeah. is because we're gonna talk about this with the next movie, but sometimes we take a good idea. <clears throat> And then we overwrite this specific plot that ruins the idea. And I know that's a really difficult balance, but in this, if the whole movie is just about them getting out of this time loop and how do they get out, it ruins it. If the whole movie is about figuring out who they are, it ruins it. There has to be some air. There has to be some interpretation for us as the audience. And I think they do that really, really well. Where they put it on us, what would you do? Um, and then things like that question that you just asked, Dave, which mm. is perfect, is that other person in the loop? There's no answer. There's no answer. It's it's like the dreidel at the end yeah. of Inception. <laughs> yes. It's like, Don't get me started on that one. It, do you want... <laughs> 
do you want her to be? I, yeah. You know? I do. I, I don't know. I, 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 I'm quite happy with that. Which is just a really good storytelling technique. Same. Mm. And the last thing I'll say is that <laughs> Jeff mentioned, you know, this came out at, at a unique time. Every now and then, art just lands at the right fucking moment. And anyone who doesn't know how long it takes to make a movie, they did not plan on the pandemic coming out when they made this, you know? So, like... They didn't? I mean, you know, some people think like, oh, they must have pumped this they out. They certainly didn't plan on this when they spent $17.5 million buying it to be distributed. <laughs> well, I mean, you they know, anyone didn't plan on the pandemic. And the pandemic I'm was sure, already I'm in the sure world. They saw I know, I'm just saying anyone who, anyone who doesn't know this, Sundance is in, you know, the winter. It's in January every year. So, like, they, they made this movie over a year and a half ago, probably. And they've been working on it leading up to their premiere at Sundance. So, every now and then, art lines up perfectly with time. If anyone is looking for some medicine for how to make peace with, this time that seems like it'll never end and make peace with the fact that we're probably going to have to do something very dramatic to, to segue out of this. Like this is, you know, it's just one of those good things that I, might make I you don't, feel a I don't less recommend, stressed about what's happening. I don't to recommend us. their solution. Just, just saying we don't recommend their solution. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, yeah. Risky, risky yeah. solution. Yeah. Don't do, don't do leave what happened. Goat, leave capital, but leave the goats good. alone. I think we killed it. I think we killed it. I think uh, anyone who's watched this film, knows i almost feel guilty for us trying to like dissect this movie because i thought about this when i watched chef this past week as well and i watched chef right before i watched this two really excellent well done feel good movies for lack of a better word it's feel good and sometimes feel good movies feel cheap and i feel like i'm being manipulated and they're, they're gimmicky and there's a lot of things that make me you know not be drawn to them i usually want more intense drama and whenever you pull off a feel good movie Sometimes it's better not to say anything at all. You just let people experience it and, you know, feel whatever magic you get out of it. You decide if the grandma's in the loop. You decide if the other thing that I was mentioning earlier is in the loop. Yeah. Yeah, Just have fun. So stream it. There was no buzz about this at all until Hulu bought it for a ridiculous amount of money. It was just let out there for people to find. And I love that. Wait. Hold on. Did Hulu actually buy it, or did somebody else buy it, hoping to distribute it, and then resold Hulu it? To bought it. Hulu, Hulu bought it at Sundance outright. Hulu yeah. did buy it. Okay. Damn. Wow. Which is happening more and more at this big festival. It's like yeah. these people are showing up. They're ready to buy. Well, guess what? Guess who has the money? Can you think about the festivals for next year? <laughs> Damn it, dude. <laughs> they did say they're planning to spend a couple of hundred billion. So you know. Jesus Christ. Jesus. All right. That, <clears throat> well. I guess that's it. Go see Palm Springs. It's a sweet movie. 90 minutes. It is yes, on it is. Hulu right this very second. And there will be more conversations about it by your friends, your peers, and people who are doing award shit coming up soon. But we are going to take a quick break to pee. And we are going to see you for our presumed Razzie nominee, <laughs> the last thing he wanted. We will see you in a few minutes. Don't bend. Back. Back, baby. Oh. Oh my gosh. Here people. we so go. That was Palm Springs. This available on Netflix. The last thing he wanted. Starring Anne Hathaway, Ben Affleck, on Rosie Netflix. Perez. I yeah. forgot to mention at the top. It is available on Netflix. D. Reese direct, directed it and co-wrote the script. Mm. Um, so let's get a little bit of background on this film because this film came out in 2020. It came out in January, which is never a good sign. Well, actually, it came out in February. 
it went to the Sundance Film Festival, even though Netflix bought the rights to the film in 2018. But for some reason, it still was going to Sundance, which sort of, that, that, that probably stirred a little bit of debate, but I digress. This movie has a 5% on Rotten Tomatoes. And the summary of all of the reviews on Rotten Tomatoes is, it'll be the last thing most viewers want to. Oh. Metacritic gave it a 35. IMDb gave it a 4.3. And this is just a really bad run by Anne Hathaway. She has five rotten movies in a row, two of which are up for Razzies, including Royal Dolls the Witches, which we're going to talk about at some point in a couple weeks. <laughs> just for mentioning it. <laughs> no, just um, she had rotten movies. Yeah, well, just, just, I just want to remind everyone that oh, yeah. this is a positive film show. And any right, negative did. comment <laughs> will get up. a drink penalty. Damn it. All right. You're right. You're right. You're right. What are well, the other I, movies? So I just wanted to give it some context because. What are her other five? The other ones on her, of hers? Yeah, that she's done, like, their bad run. Okay. Well, so 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 this and the witches, the Royal right. Dolls of Witches. She has Locked Down, which is coming out this month with Chiwetel Ejiofor. Is at 45%. Ooh. Um, right. Serenity, 2019. Serenity. Thank and you. That was the one I was trying to think of. Yeah. in 2019. What is going on? Uh, Serenity's yeah, at yeah, 20 yeah. and The Hustle's at mm-hmm. 13. Um, but, you know, it, it happens because The Princess Diaries is negative and that's the reason we know who she is. So, you know, it's not all about Rotten Tomatoes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I typed in to Netflix to try to find this movie, which again, Netflix bought this movie and it came out in 2020. Did an apology and I notice, typed in The Last. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I typed in The Last and this movie did not come up. Right. And I know the last dance came out this past year and Netflix bought it. So that being number one made sense. But it wasn't in the top eight. The last this brand new movie with a huge star mm. cast that just and came it is, out this year. Especially cast. the last, especially with I their to, with their I algorithm. About the whole fucking I mean, that's crazy. Like how... they want hmm. you to watch their movies. Yeah, they, they so I'm sorry. That means that Netflix is trying to bury this movie. So that's just, yeah. that's no, just what yeah. that means. Yeah. Um, so, OK, what the movie's about is it's a Joan Didion book who apparently she had uh, not written a book for 12 mm-hmm. years. And it's sort of about Iran-Contra, for anybody who knows what that's about. Uh, so this takes place in 1984. What about that from American Dad, too? a little tiny segment in 1982. Right. So obviously a Reagan election year, which they talk a little bit about. Um, so a veteran D.C. journalist, Anne Hathaway, loses the thread of her own narrative when a guilt-propelled errand for her father, Willem Dafoe, thrusts her from byline to unwitting subjects in the very story she's trying to break. I think I'll stop there. There's more that we're going to have to unpack about the quote-unquote plot. Who wants to take it from there? Dave, don't be shy. <laughs> oh, I'd just like to say, I've got to be open, but uh, in preparation for this, we'll just uh, crack this one as well. Yeah, I kind of, if you don't mind, I kind of feel, I might be the reactionary on this one. So why don't you lay it on us? And I kind of want to hear your criticism because I think I minded this. I think I don't, I liked this a little more than both of you, I think. I didn't, I'm not. Uh, I, I didn't, I didn't mind it. It was just. Let's do it. Let's do I it. Dave, I just, just, just want to say like, um, Willem Dafoe. Great. Owns anything you give him, even when, Always, like, yeah. but, like, in fair yeah. warning, this, the book that this is based on, the um, Joan Didion, it's, um, it's hailed as, her work is hailed as being unadaptable, and this book in particular was hailed as being unadaptable. And I'm pretty sure they were right. <clears throat> to be honest, mm. it was just, um, uh, just, why? Why do you feel, like, why do you feel like it was? There was, there was, 
I mean, I'm not sure if there was stuff that there was supposed to fill in the blanks uh, that because she was writing, directing, she knew and just felt fine to let that out. I'll leave that out. But like I and a lot of people reviewed it this way, but I, I, I bloody agree is that half the time you don't know why people are doing things and what's going on. It's so damn confusing. There are total character shifts from <laughs> one minute to the next that just don't make sense. There's no reason for them. It's one minute she's a crying fucking mother. The next minute she's like fucking Wonder Woman overpowering this drug dealer. Mm. And it, like it's just ridiculous shifts in right. character <laughs> that they're not feeding the audience for. It's There's these massive gaps the whole way through it. And I'm sorry, but like when we get to the airport and she like, because she basically the premise is she, um, it starts off with her as a reporter and then right. she meets with her father and he, like through dialogue you get that they're estranged and then for some reason she finds out that her father is a gun runner and she decides to take over that because he needs to do this deal and so she goes down there with basically no experience whatsoever and decides to implement herself into a fucking gun deal and it's what like what did you think was gonna it all goes horribly wrong from there i still don't know what happened at the end there's whole articles on the internet explaining how this movie ends and i'm sorry if your movie needs that you fucked up <laughs> yeah unless it's there were a couple of people i i read it i read a user review online that said i read the book before i saw the movie knowing the movie was coming out and i still don't know what the movie's about but the book is really good yeah Ouch. i'm sorry we, we always we always i can't buzz you for that because someone else said it but I'll, i will say that the Wait, we always okay. like to come up with a drinking game for <laughs> these these films the drinking game for this one is drink every time you want to check to see how much is left in this movie <laughs> oh no oh. also wait and, and before before john gets into it because i i'm kind of with john that i didn't mind the movie but i am with dave that it was confusing as fuck is um uh. it's really convenient <clears throat> that willem defoe's character is a gun is a is it like a gun munitions traitor because anne hathaway opens up basically you know at the very beginning of the movie that she's headed to nicaragua and el salvador and she's curious about she thinks america is sending arms to South America that's going to go to the Contras and they're lying about it in real life. So we know what that's about. We, so the Iran Contra story is a good story. And then it just becomes, then basically she becomes the plotter because she gets stuck down there, but it's because her dad is running munitions. Like it's just a little convenient. She doesn't even know what her father does. And it just happens to be this weird specific niche that she needs you know what I mean? So that that was a tricky thing to get over. I don't know how they do it in the book. Apparently, but apparently once she you get grew into up with it, it in the book and she knew well, the whole time. That's what he did. She just chose to ignore it, which makes more sense. Right. Why, they didn't why that was, in the movie, why was so that was not like, included? Like if so, you're adapting, yeah, if you're adapting yeah. this, why would you not include that very very important point? Yeah, I, I think, think they wanted her to be confused, and they and they thought that they could pull it off. That us being confused and her being confused at the same time, and you know, it would sort of be a little trippy, maybe like a little yeah, like. I feel I feel um, like that only works if Vegas, it's one or like, the other. Like what either the, the the protagonist doesn't know what's going on and we do, or they know what's going on and we don't. It, if your protagonist unless, is just wandering just through scenes, lost edit. as fuck. Like, yeah, it it does it doesn't work. Unless yeah, unless you've already established that. So, like, there was no journey for her making peace with the fact that her father did that or being confused about it. it. It did feel like she was supposed to be confused about the actual deal, but she had already understood completely what her father did. So there were, 
There were a lot of dramaturgical issues. The whole, the whole issues. thing is just <laughs> cold, so cold and functional. You don't get the chance right. to really care about anyone. And let's go ahead like, and give it up. This this is directed definitely not by her, which is too bad. This is, it's too bad because I wanted to. And hmm. just this is directed by D. Reese, who made Mudbound. Broden yeah, and Mudbound. So anyone who yeah. saw that two years that ago, might, that might have um, that might have been the reason I was so put off by this because I had high expectations coming in, given the names attached to it. Yeah, I think we all did. Um, so Jeff made a comment earlier in the other when we were talking about Palm Springs that. So what'd you say? Sometimes you want to be, you concentrate too much on the specifics and you lose your idea. Is that what you said? Yeah. So this is about Iran-Contra, which is a really compelling thing. But then when you make it all about her, you lose the Contra element of it. And then the, then the movie just gets, it, it can't decide yeah, this, what it's this trying, was like what story three it's trying to tell. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll, put, I'll push back Sorry, that on yeah, just a hair because I think we have all seen amazing movies that are dealing with the big picture issue of this this thing like the killing fields or you know other things that are that are dealing with uh, the giant political geopolitical issue and they do it in a very intimate way with one point of view through a protagonist but there are there right. are many reasons why this one didn't pull it off i'm going to make the analogy to the the thing that jeff said about the specifics with the idea sometimes an actor has to use a dialect and sometimes the dialect is so spot on that it's unintelligible <laughs> And then it doesn't matter if you're fucking yeah, accurate. Richard, Richard would always say that, yeah. <laughs> because the audience doesn't know what the fuck you're saying. So you got to you gotta find your middle ground. That, that happened to DiCaprio in Blood Diamond. People always ripped on his accent, but actually he was doing a good accent. He yeah. was, yeah. So he I was. think that there are times when this happens. This movie kept making me think of reference to last week's episode when we talked about the director, writer of Doolittle, Stephen Gagan. He wrote Syriana, which is one of my favorite geopolitical thrillers. And... I needed to watch that movie a couple of times before I caught everything. So there is a way to pull off an, a movie about political intrigue, geopolitics, war, and personal stories within those things that are following different kind of plot lines. There's a way to do it and to do it successfully. And I'm not saying I was trying to compare it only to that movie, but hmm. there are multiple times in this movie where I felt like I don't know who else to blame other than D. Reese. She kept she was sacrificing opportunities yeah. dramaturgically to build I mean, up a character's point of view so that when she introduced Anne Hathaway to new situations, we didn't understand what how to react with her. Because this movie was supposed to be told in real time. We were yeah, supposed having, to have, having we were introduced having your character just stop dead and do nothing while a voiceover explains the parts you're supposed to have got up until now is, is definitely not a good device. Very good sign. Unless, unless, let's, uh, right, but even dramaturgically, let's stay true to what you're establishing. The movie opens with a narrative voiceover. So if you're going to do that, then let's use the tool. Let's yeah. actually, I, I don't know if that means more or less or where you're going to place that's the thing. it. But yeah, it, was, a way to... it was barely used again, except when they needed to get you some exposition. Exactly. It did feel like it was exploiting that 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 device of a narrative tool only when everyone who's watching and possibly made the film knew we don't know what's going on. So I'm going to have to clarify some things. And that's always that is the line, isn't it? You're going to be towing that line whenever you're doing anything with political intrigue. Of <laughs> course, I don't want to know everything. Of course, I don't expect the protagonist to know every single thing that's happening unless they're a, like a superhero kind of character. But there are ways you're going to unleash that information. And it's not just specifics of information, literally what's happening in the timeline of Iran-Contra and literally when her plane landed, when her plane's leaving. 
emotional storylines as well. Uh, excuse me, emotional hmm. timelines as well. I did not understand a lot of how she got from A to B emotionally. And if nothing else, that distracted me from the specifics of the the literal timeline. So that's just a filmmaking thing. I don't, I don't blame Anne Hathaway for that. I think she actually did a pretty damn good job and, trying Anne to Hathaway, act in this movie. Dude, Anne Hathaway was great. Yeah. Um, Willem Dafoe was great. Uh, ben, ben Affleck actually learned to turn his head about halfway through. He was great. He was, I thought so. No, I really did. Yeah. I thought they were great. Uh, <laughs> the guy who played the hotel owner too, who's um, yes, you know, he's in the um, American. Yeah, so but like, uh, I never, I never thought I'd yeah, say the Toby. worst thing about this movie is not Ben Affleck. So come on. <laughs> He had a tough run too because he had this and um, the way no, back. I love, I love Ben. I actually really love Ben Affleck as Batman. To be honest, uh, he was he was really good. Me too. But, uh, yeah, this this he was. Uh, why is he second on the poster? Like we're looking. I'm looking at the poster right now. Why why is Ben Affleck's name second on the poster? Is, he's he's his, not in it until like an hour and a half in, ben except Affleck. for a thirty second scene. Like it's Ben fucking Affleck. Because his name is Ben Affleck. I'm I sorry. Then Rosie though, Perez was in this more than him. <laughs> Tell me if you guys agree with this. Like, as much as as uh, I feel like we're giving it some shit, but and I'm usually not the one who says this. I, I didn't mind this movie nearly as much as everyone was talking shit about it on the internet. It it was kind of hard to understand, and I don't think she achieved her ultimate goal. But maybe I'm just a sucker for politics and stuff. I, I like that period of time. I'm interested in that Reagan era, and especially with what happened with Iran Contra. So, so maybe I was just kind of curious mm. about this spin. But I did not think it was a 4.3. There are way worse movies that have higher ratings on IMDb than this movie. No, I disagree. Did you feel this, that way? This, yeah, no, this was this <laughs> was a, a train wreck of a film. It was... I mean, I don't... like. I, again, I, I can't tell you what happened at the end. Watch. I don't know why she banged Ben Affleck all of a sudden. Um, like, there was no context yeah, that was to that, strange, really. Um, it's just the whole thing. And uh, again, I, like there was a lot of poorly communicated subtext in this in like the screenplay the adaptation and it's like no one really gives a bad performance the shooting's on point so for me it comes down to the screenplay and the editing and it just made yeah, it so jolting and confusing do you think i didn't know what was going movie... on half half the people that saw it didn't know what was going on do you think there's a chance this movie was 30 minutes longer and they cut it because they were I'd like, like oh, I'd this like is getting really confusing. But like, it was all necessary. It, it wouldn't have been as confusing if we had had those extra 10 scenes or whatever. I'd like to hope that's what happened. Yeah. I don't know. It, it, it felt like they, it felt like somebody was telling her it's, it's not succinct enough. Like you're getting too into the politics when we, we need to just get it down to her. It kind of felt that way when I was watching it. And I thought that was like the quicksand of this movie was that, I knew it was about her. I didn't need it to be about her. She was already my surrogate. I wanted them to give me more information so that I would have felt more stress for her because ultimately this movie leads to a tragedy in her life, of her life at the very end of this. And by the time it got there, my biggest complaint was not that I was confused about what actually happened with with the politics and, and specifically with her getting involved in the politics. My biggest concern was that I didn't care when the tragedy happened to her emotionally. I didn't care about her character. And that's always that's always the the line, isn't it? Like if you don't have me invested in what's mm. happening to characters, then I can't retain the other information at all. I'm only going to do that stuff in a movie setting because I care so much about what, how it's affecting these characters. Does that make sense? Hmm. <laughs> 
It does. Yes. <laughs> I I mean, again, the like, sadly, I, I, I mean, I sat through this whole thing. I was checking how long was left constantly. I, I really didn't enjoy it. And my biggest question that I, I bought out of the whole thing, because don't get me wrong, like I, like I said, cinematography was on point. They shot this on Alexa LF, which is the big camera, which is not exactly the thing you want to be Ooh. lugging around like the jungles of Puerto Rico. So, like, hats off to the cinematographers for, like, carrying that thing for all this time. But there's, there's also that one shot um, right near the beginning where we get to the airport and the camera leaves the car and goes straight through the baggage claim of the to the the other side of the like the little airport yeah. and it's all this big one of it and it's it's so fast moving i'm like were they running or did they build ramp like what <laughs> happened there that was a really really good shot and that was that was good but the biggest question sadly out of the whole movie is why is that dog trained to run at the bombs That was a weird moment. Oh my god, that's the takeaway. Yeah, Yeah. and you're like the guy whistles and the dog runs straight to where the bomb is. It's like, what the fuck? There are too many weird little. (laughs) There are too many weird little moments like that. That in in spite of everything else we're saying critically, there are too many weird, tiny little throwaway mistakes that are not necessary to the story or anything that kind of just interrupt your viewing experience. That it's just, just like, why didn't you cut that? Well, if there was other information stuff, give mm. me that and cut little moments like that. That's not necessary at all. And also, we're like an hour and what, 20, 30 in, and we're establishing a new character. It's like, like the guy yeah. at the hotel. I don't, I don't know if like that was, yeah. it was, that was weird to me. Like, it, there was so much that was I, out of whack. What do, you, what do you think of this idea? Because there are a couple deep lines in here. Like one that she has is all I have left is this story, which I guess the way, this movie almost seems like a throwaway, like Jesus Christ, <laughs> <laughs> you lost the story. Uh, but then um, the, the guy who works at the hotel says to her, the unreported story of Vietnam is the reporters who couldn't move past mm. how egregious Vietnam was. And they were stuck trying to get this story across. And his quote is, we are meant to survive beyond our stories. So on some contexts that can be cheesy and on some contexts that can be the most powerful thing anybody's ever said. So the idea that Annie's lost in her own story, that trying to get the story, she becomes the story. I I think everybody who sees this movie should sort of get that on, on its principle. What do you think about the idea that they, this is not a, a literature story though. I know she's a writer, but this is not the post this is she is trying to she she is trying to gather information she's collecting data she's not writing anything so she gets lost in her own narrative but she's not really a writer here so do you think that is the trope was off and and that maybe was a reason that it sort of got befuddled do you think that's possibly something i do think that i think very specifically um i loved that line and it was one of those times where I said it last week. I've said it before. Like, you know, you're not supposed to write toward themes. You're not supposed to try to project themes onto audience. Like we can do that on our own, you know, if it's told well. And I thought that that, when that was said, I was like, okay, I think I know what we're going to start to expect. I think this is going to unravel and she's not going to be able to, to articulate and get it out or whatever. Something is going to get in the way of her being able to, to handle what's happening to her. But I, I think one reason I have so much interest in Iran-Contra, uh, Vietnam, and a lot of other things that have happened politically where there really is just not enough information to, to give us the full context is that there is a almost mystic element to the telling of those things with the history that is given. So 
that is there is a difference between that and a protagonist who goes into her own little version of that story and is trying to project that same theme. What she got wrapped up in with the gun running and Ben Ben Affleck's character who works for the government and stuff and was basically part of the CIA and the State Department that was manipulating what was happening to her, it was not intertwined enough with what was happening with the gun running and the, the weapons running from the CIA to the Iran-Contra for me to actually feel like it was a reporter caught in the middle of it. I felt like she was way off, way far removed from most of that story as soon as the, the airport landing scene happened. So for the last half of this movie, she's not directly involved with it anymore. And I think whenever you look back on Vietnam and things like that, you have to you have to look at the big picture to realize this story is impossible to tell. Her story was not impossible to tell. I felt like they were trying to project some kind of impossibility onto it when really it was just a girl, uh, a, a really wonderful reporter who was very ambitious, who made a mistake by trying to do a favor for her father and got caught up in some bad deals with gun running. That that was the story. And I felt like they were trying to heighten it to something else. Yeah, mm. Do, yeah I mean, I, I mean, there's a, uh, there's a reason they call this, like these books unadaptable it's i i feel like the the opening monologue was probably copy pasted from the book um yeah, and it felt that, like, book like yeah yeah and uh and at first i was like oh god this is a wordy film it's social network all over again um and then they didn't they barely did it again <laughs> buzz yourself <laughs> buzz yourself <laughs> <laughs> buzz yourself i like social, social network, network. aaron sorkin baby i've never finished right, that though. film Oh my God! Buzz yourself again! Buzz yourself again, motherfucker! Come on! Yeah, get the fuck out of here! It's a good movie. Come on, David Fincher. It's confession. You're right there. I agree with you. Nothing deep to say about this movie. Nothing deep to say about this movie. There's some fun sequences. There's a dog that blew up, and the guy laughed about it. Yeah, there's some some interesting shit going on in there. Was there was that was weird? That's all weird. Let's put this let's put this disclaimer out there. I think all three of us would agree. I want D. Reese to keep making movies. Like, I'm glad you oh, took absolutely. a risk. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, of course. Like, I want any- them to keep going. This was just a swing and a miss. I just don't think yeah, it, it worked any, well. Anyone yeah. can swing and a miss. We watched- We've all done it. Like, there's no... Let's- 1941. Oh, <laughs> just for bringing that up. <laughs> <laughs> Spielberg. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. What are, uh, real fast before we set, real, real fast before we go, what did you like about this movie? Like, for me, it was the performances. Like, those, those people thought they were in... They thought that they were in the killing fields. They thought that they were in platoon. They thought that they were really going to be telling this untold story of yeah. a very confusing time in U.S. and South American, Central American history. And I thought they were bringing it with everything they had. The editing did not do them a lot of favors, but I'm just going to say it. Let's call it out. Anne Hathaway gained some weight for this role, and she looked different than I had ever seen her before, and I fucking loved I'm, I'm pretty sure it. There wasn't was, a, I'm pretty sure there wasn't a shred of makeup either in a lot of this as well. Yeah, I mean, she was pretty fucking raw, yeah. and I bought and, a lot yeah. of like a lot of that, what she was giving me. I was I like, did, thank that you. That was I have... very, very noticeable, and I appreciated it. It's one of the few yeah, things I appreciate about this film. It's cool. Me too. What did you guys <laughs> like about it? She was, she was working hard. She was, she was working hard. Uh, I like the idea. <laughs> I think. <laughs> <laughs> damn dave did you like anything about this movie i mean there's a couple of shots that i liked um but apart yeah. from that no not really at all did it lose you from that opening narrative monologue were you like fuck this shit were you were you immediately no, like um, no thank you up until that point uh the point where she got back 
and they were like, we're cutting the story. You're now on the, the candidate trail. Um, I was following it. And then for so- it just went off the rails for me. Like, I don't know whether I missed something or what, but it just like, I just started having trouble keeping up with the narrative. And like, if like, if I can't follow the story, why am I watching this? I feel you, man. Yeah. I feel you. Should we but recommend I, I would, people see I, this? I would recommend people see this so that you can go no. to our Facebook page and for the love of God, paste what the ending means or what it, what this movie's about because I have no fucking idea. <laughs> yeah, somebody tell us about the ending. Yeah, no, I feel you. Well, we did All pick right. Razzie well, movies. So <laughs> yeah. I guess that means- I mean, last, we, <laughs> you, I last week we redeemed. Were- last week was not so bad. We redeemed the movie. That's true. That's true. And it's fun. Hey, usually the Razzie, I actually think this is not going to get any Razzie nominations after all this, because I think they're going to, if they give her one, it's going to be for the witches, yeah. which we haven't even seen yet. So I'm just saying like, generally, generally they like good actors going for it and fucking up miserably. Like, like uh, Jupiter's ascending yeah. or something like they like that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Big swing, big swing. They don't, they don't, they don't like, they don't like movies that just kind of just Dude, didn't rewatch work, Jupiter you know? ascending. It's fun. Is it? I still haven't seen it. It's, it's, it's yeah, so, it's it's, it's fucking it's, it's fucking but terrible, right, but it's fun. fun. <laughs> All right, well, Great. well, that was a good time. All right. Let's wrap it up. <laughs> do you have next week queued up? I do, I do. So that was this was our be wrong. This is our second week. So for the third week, we are going to be talking about our Oscar Ooh. possibility contention movie. It is Aaron Sorkin's second directorial movie. He wrote this, of course. It is The Trial, excuse me, Trial of Chicago 7. It came out October 16th on Netflix. And then our possible Razzie movie. Uh, I think everybody saw the trailers for these. A little Blumhouse production for you. Fantasy Island. It came out February 14th in theaters. If anyone still saw movies back then. And that thing is available on Stars. So Trial Chicago 7 on Netflix. Fantasy Island on Stars. If you want to watch along so we can talk about them Again, we'll post those on the Facebook page so you can find them easy. It's going to be fun. I'm really looking forward to it. I have been Mm -hmm. wanting to watch Trial Chicago 7 for a long time. As soon as we decided to do this, I was like, all right, I should hold off so I'll be fresh. But I'm really looking forward to it. I've heard Aaron talk about it a few times. Looking forward to it, dude. Mm. Yeah, that's going to be a good one. I'm very interested to hear what people think of Fantasy Island too. Yeah, me too. Me too. Good times. Signing off, Next week. Thank you for joining us for another week. God damn it! Yes! (laughs) Yeah. yeah. We'll see Amazing. you next week, film fans. <laughs> <laughs>